You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Score! Johnny Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Two on oh, Line A Rostovic. Riley stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped him in the corner of the ring. All right, here we go. Episode 55 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy95, at Leafs Pod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's not too late to get in your bets on the lowly Montreal Canadiens who have been the dogs in every series thus far as the game one of the Stanley Cup Finals goes tonight. And if you're going to do so, use DraftKings Sportsbook, which is not only my favorite sportsbook, but America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings. It's easy to navigate. has plenty of instructions for new bettors and limitless ways to get in on the action. My friends and families have also been loving DraftKings, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that's still in contention. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you could win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds on promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's this simple. Download the top-rated DraftKings app and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on a basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Episode 55, BMAC, who you got as our Leaf representative today? It's actually 56, Kenny. I'm going to go with Andy Wisniewski. 56. 
stud defenseman, played for the Leafs from 07 to 09, I believe. I'm doing I'm doing quite well, man. Uh, I don't even know if you asked me how I'm doing, but I'm doing quite well. I'm <laughs> glad glad to, glad to hear it. I'm I'm relieved, but in pain. Probably similar to many of the Canadians in Lightning entering the Cup final because I spontaneously got my second dose yesterday at Scotiabank Arena, home of the Leafs and Raps. It was tough going there yesterday, but they were holding walk-ins until 9 p.m. So I jumped on it and got it. So I'm ready for the summer, brother. boy, Congratulations. And uh, I would just like to address something at the beginning here. Apologize to the listeners as we weren't able to record any episodes last week. It's been kind of a hectic schedule for Brendan and myself. I'm currently transitioning out of two jobs, transitioning into a new one. Uh, BMAC schedule has been super hectic in the newsroom over at TSN. So it's not that we aren't trying to continuously bring you two episodes throughout the summer. It's just that last week, the schedules just weren't lining up and we weren't able to do it. So apologies for that. Apologies to the network for not being able to produce that content. But here we are. And game one of the Stanley Cup finals goes tonight as we are recording this on Monday, June 28th. And like you said, Brendan, the Canadians continue to hang around. I know in the ad read at the beginning, I kind of called them the lowly under underdog Montreal Canadiens. I, I don't know if lowly is the proper descriptor. But certainly they have been dogs to get to this point in every series. And they found a way to get it done. They eliminated the Vegas Golden Knights. And now they find themselves knocking on the door for to win their first Stanley Cup since 1993. It's an incredible story, man. I mean, for them, it's like, who do we, who's next? Really? We just knocked off Toronto, division leaders in the Scotia North, swept Winnipeg, supposed to be a lethal team in the postseason. And then we just dumped Vegas. Like, they controlled that entire series. So now it's like, okay, we got Tampa Bay. Sure, it's the Stanley Cup final. The magnitude enhances of the, the series and the games. But, God, they're rolling, Kenny. Like, they are they are a dog-determined group. And they're going to have their head coach, Dominic Ducharme, back from uh, COVID protocol. He was in quarantine for 14 days, I believe. So, I mean, they definitely won that, that uh, semifinals for him. And I'm sure he's going to be back. I believe he's going to be back for game three. And that's going to be a huge boost for them. But they're just going to keep rolling, man. Like Tampa's nothing to them if they can knock off three powerhouses. I think it's that is a point that deserves a ton of recognition is that they were able to do it without their their guy behind the bench. Yeah, who was who's been gone since game three of the Vegas series. I'm sure Montreal fans loved that as Ducharme and the team traveled down to Vegas and immediately on their way back, it's like they got guys going into COVID protocol. I believe as well, Yoel Armia might be entering the COVID protocol for the Montreal Canadiens as well. So that's a key piece of their lineup. Uh, Looks like they will get Jake Evans back, though, from the concussion that he suffered uh, on the hit from Mark Shifley in the series against the Winnipeg Jets. So that'll be a big boost for Montreal's lineup as he's proven to be an effective spark plug for the rest of that team. I've been so impressed. And like, I I feel like we're beating a dead horse at this point, you know, just giving Montreal the credit for their accomplishments, but they haven't turned back or looked back since they were down three, one to Toronto. They've handled every, every opportunity that was at, at presented to them. And they were underdogs in each series, according to Vegas and each series, basically coming into the series, probably outside of the series against Winnipeg, it's basically been unanimous that the Leafs were going to beat them. It was unanimous that Vegas is going to beat them. And now I'm starting to see again in a popular trend of the playoffs, basically everybody's picking Tampa Bay to beat Montreal. This is a team that relishes being the dogs. And 
are in a position that they're extremely comfortable with and aren't afraid of the defending cup champions staring down the barrel on the other end. And you know what? If you're players, you're probably like, we love that. We feel love that. it. Keep saying that. We heard it for Toronto. We heard it for Winnipeg. We heard it for Vegas. Keep saying it to us. We'll we'll relish that underdog mentality. The only minor blip, only minor blip throughout this throughout the playoffs that Canadians had was not even on the ice for the players. It was management's fault. Is healthy scratching Cole Caulfield because to me that guy has been the most offensive threat and just the biggest one of the biggest con- contributors to the Canadians lineup during this run. He's been incredible to watch. And I know his, I know I pumped his tires on the on episode fifty five, but Ken, I I don't think there's there's a more uh, remarkable player, uh, you know, dynamic other than player dynamic player. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's been the best the best player for them in this. What does he have? Five six goals. He had four against Vegas. I mean, he's just been unbelievable to watch. And God, they got him at fifteenth overall in the draft a few years ago. And what a steal. And if you're Bergevin, you know, going into the playoffs, you know, he was on the hot seat. Who was going to go first? I remember we were having a discussion, like, if they get nixed in the first round, who gets gassed first, Ducharme or Bergevin? Well, Bergevin is going to be repping. He's going to be repping that red burgundy suit that he's worn in all three (laughs) regulation or elimination games, I should say, because it just it's clearly, you know, he's superstitious and it brings him good luck. So and he looks like you know, an absolute stud with the flow going too. So he, he's going to be sitting pretty right now, Mark Bergevin, knowing either the outcome, he's got a job uh, and job security for the next couple of years. Leafs Twitter was buzzing. Well, it has been buzzing about Cole Caulfield. Well, I suppose every air, like corner of NHL Twitter has been buzzing about it. Yeah. But a big reason why is because Caulfield now, I believe, is one goal shy of the amount of goals that Mitch Marner has scored in his career in the playoffs through his first playoff run. Ouch. Which seems absurd. But then you go back and you remember the conversations that we were having during our Leafs eulogy for the season, how Marner hasn't scored in what was it? It's uh, something like 18 straight playoff games that he's been held without a goal, something to the tune tune of that. Yeah. And Caulfield continues to get it done after being in healthy scratch in the beginning of the series against the Leafs. Uh, he's been effective for them. And this has been something that the Montreal Canadiens have been missing for a long time. And it's been the narrative for a long time is that they don't have that upper tier, upper echelon star power. They don't have those guys that can take over a game. Well, Caulfield, although young in his career, has shown flashes of that ability. And obviously, he has the skill set to be able to perform at that kind of composure level at this time of year is extremely, extremely impressive from the young kid. And it looks like Montreal is going to have, if you know, if Nick Suzuki continues to develop, if Caulfield continues to develop, Kokaniemie has come up with some big goals throughout this postseason run. If these guys can continue to produce at this level at this time of year, that's going to bode very well for the Montreal Canadiens future. It's, Oh, I just hope they have a full capacity crowd at at Bell Center. I mean, just seeing a, a glimpse of, you know, we know how boisterous that crowd can get and they're relentless on the opposing team, but can they got to have full capacity? I mean, the first two games are in Tampa. You absolutely like I, I, your I move feel like Trudeau, the government of Quebec your, has your move. to 
bend. Well, it's, it's uh, is it not a provincial thing? I think that's like the Quebec government stipulates it. And I feel like, yeah, I probably. feel like Habs fans would risk it all to go into an arena filled with, you know, however many people. I don't, I don't even know how you would regulate that. Like, do you say you have to have, you know, you have to be fully vaccinated? Do you say that? Probably, you know, yeah. You have, you have fully vaccinated and you have to be able to prove it at the door, but then it gets into the whole like, oh, this is a police state conversation. I don't know how you regulate it, but yeah, they're going to have to cram that barn with as many bodies as they can because this is like the time for messing around is over. This isn't you're going to be going back to Scotiabank Arena and there's going to be, you know, 300 or 500 medical workers in the stands. This is like you're going to be playing. You're playing at a lights out barn in Vegas, which also, by the way, so impressive that they were able to go in that barn and steal the series. Because <laughs> like that was something that we highlighted going in. Yeah. Vegas have some of, has one of the most rabid fan bases in the league. I mean, these guys go there for the party. Um, so the be- some of the best like on ice presentations of anybody in the NHL. So not an easy place to go in and win, especially when you aren't used to playing against or playing in barns that have any fans in it they're able to do that and they should expect the same going into tampa bay because that to that that not to use a pun but that crowd has been absolutely electric for the lightning as well i feel like once you get past like as a player like the theatrical performance in vegas it's like okay they're just like a a passionate group but imagine the habs had to go into nassau coliseum like they have to be the most rowdiest like unrelentless (laughs) mean fan base like hell they chuck beer cans on the ice when their team won yeah like what was that i like come on no, the, what if they lost? Some, of, some, they of lost? The, some of the islanders fans are uh they're nuts yeah they're nuts <laughs> they're out like, of control man I've, I've told you about um how i've been to games at the Na- old nassau coliseum like they were games that didn't matter because at that point in time it was like in the late 2000s uh yeah. like early 2010s maybe and we went down there. It was like late in the year. It was Isles Leafs. Nobody was going to the playoffs. So like the barn was empty. And there were season ticket holders there who were sitting like right on the front row of the glass. And they would have like four rings on their fingers, like almost like the size of championship rings. So when they were hammering on the glass, it was just making the loudest like cracking sound oh in the world. Oh my God. Imagine getting like, crunched into the boards and hearing that. It's like, oh. yeah, just right in your ear is brutal. Anyways, yeah, it's a totally rabid fan base down there, and like a historic arena. Obviously, uh, it would have been nice for the Islanders to have been able to play there a couple more times in the Stanley Cup Final. But ultimately, it's Tampa Bay, who again have shown the ability to adjust and play whatever way their opponent wants to play. This is a team that can play a physical game. This is a team that can outscore you, as we saw when they blew out the Lightning, the Islanders, rather. What was it, eight nothing? Eight nil. Like, yeah, they can touchdown. put the puck in the back of the net. Touchdown, two-point conversion. Yeah. Like, how often do you see that? Yeah. And then, I thought they were going to go for 10 that game. They just were they nonstop. But. And then they're also able to shut it down, though. In game seven, yeah. it's, it's you know, Vasilevsky, one and it's one nothing. Yeah. And now they're getting Kucherov back, like, likely as healthy as we've seen him in quite some time. For the Stanley Cup final, and that will be a beast in itself, trying to contain – that power play and that offense with Kucherov running it, uh, Stamkos, who hasn't even been making a ton of noise through the postseason run, but I was listening to his interview on TSN talking about how he's just relishing the opportunity to actually play this year. As last year, although they won the cup, and you know you can sort of chuck that off your bucket list regardless, what do he play? Two minutes? 
two minutes. Yeah, two minutes last year, and then got that snipe. Yeah, and got left. one goal in two minutes, but like you want to be a part of this. So for yeah. Stamkos, this is going to be again. It's basically like the, his first opportunity to win a Stanley Cup again, even though he's actually won it to actually contribute and be there and be in the the lineup and be on the bench and be fighting towards it with your teammates and the guys you have worked with all year towards to get to this point. And I, I don't know. I, I can't even predict what's going to happen because I feel like, although my gut says Tampa is going to handle them, my gut has said that everybody was going to handle Montreal the whole way. It was like, or, you know, Toronto and five. Nope. Then it's like, well, Winnipeg, I wasn't as sure about. And then when Shifley went down, that was kind of a foregone conclusion. But I figured that Winnipeg should still beat Montreal. Was wrong about that. Figured Vegas would surely beat Montreal because they were the most difficult competition the Montreal faced that poor in the competition. And then the Habs obviously handle them in six. So now they're heading into the cup finals dogs again. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Carey Price has been outstanding. I believe he has like a 936 save percentage, uh, one shutout, like just over a 2.0 goals against average through this postseason run. The only goaltender who's really been better than him is on the other side, Andre Vasilevsky. And we know how good he's been, been nominated for the Vesna Trophy, I think the last four seasons in a row winning it, what, in 2019? So he's not that far removed. He's This guy is Mr. Consistency. He's massive in the net, plays with calmness, plays with composure. It has to be a wash for the two goaltenders, and either of those guys is capable of stealing a game on any given night. And if you're Montreal, too, it's the same recipe. Okay, go out, get two goals, maybe three goals. Like, max the Habs are going to score three goals, and they know they got price to back them up, right? Like, he's been able to shut down top, top, guns top teams in the last three rounds and it like they're not going to change much this team is not phased man like watching i i haven't been able to watch every single game but just watching them even for like a period like the the confidence for montreal just keeps growing and growing and you know they got it's price versus vasilevsky but price has definitely got more confidence right now and he is he is the the backbone to to the canadian so i don't think they're going to change much uh, maybe obviously tweak the odd line change because it's obviously the Stanley Cup final, but that's what they've been doing all, all playoffs, man. Score two, three, like, garbage goals, not pretty, and then rely on Carey Price to back you up and make 25, 30 plus saves. I do disagree with you that I think that Price has more confidence than Vasilevsky. I'd say the two are equally confident. When you hear Vasilevsky talk and when you hear the Tampa Bay Lightning talk about the confidence that they have in their netminder, it's unshakable. They know that he's the rock, but they know that there's an equivalent, um, an equivalent netminder on the other end. And there's a mutual respect between the two. I think that both are extremely confident in the way they've been playing. They're confident in the way that their teams have been playing. And both are up to the task, having played on these sorts of stages before and understanding what's at stake here for their representative groups. It's going to be an outstanding series, something that I can't wait to watch. And I will say, as a hockey fan, it's hard not to pull for Montreal in this series. If you look at some of the vets on their team who have never won a cup, uh, led by the guy that we've been talking about this whole time, Carey Price, uh, Shea Weber on that blue line. I would love to see that guy be able to hoist a cup. Like, would love to see him be able to hoist a cup. So as a true hockey fan, it's hard not to pull for the Canadiens because I'm looking at this incredible run, and it makes me believe that anybody can win. Anybody can win on any given year. 
It doesn't yep. matter where you finish in the standings. It doesn't matter what seed you're seeking into akin to those LA Kings teams back in the day who came in as the eight seed and then went to win the cup. This is a reminder that in the Stanley cup playoffs, if you play the right kind of hockey, it's anybody's opportunity. And that's where I'm torn because I look at this. I'm like, Montreal, this is an incredible run by Montreal as the underdogs through the whole way. And as a hockey fan, it's hard not to be enthralled by that group in the story. But as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, it's hard not to look at it and say, you know, this is what could have been. And I know they play a different style than Montreal. So there's no guarantees that they would have got past Winnipeg or got past Vegas or any of those, any of those opportunities at hand. But it's difficult not to look at this and say, you know, Toronto missed out on a massive opportunity and it could be them in the cup finals. Having said that, as a hockey fan, I'm rooting for Montreal. As a Leafs fan, I can't possibly root for Montreal, so I have to root for Tampa Bay. So I got two irons in the fire. If I was betting, I'd probably throw some sh- shillings down on uh, DraftKings Sportsbook on the Montreal Canadiens because if you've been banging on them the whole way, you could uh, probably refinance your house, uh, pay, off, pay off the mortgage based off your winnings because uh, they've been total, total dogs and have been paying the bills for a lot of, for a lot of friends of mine through this whole run. I think the Stanley Cup final is going the distance for sure. Seven? It's seven seven games, absolutely. Give the uh, advantage I, to the home team in seven? I'm going to give the advantage on the spot. I'll give the advantage to the TB Lightning. But it, it's going seven. Montreal is going to drive them absolutely nuts. And I can't wait. I'm, I'm just going to objectively watch this series. I'm, I'm not like I'm not I'm not pulling for for Montreal like we're, we're avid Leaf fans it's clear we host a goddamn Leafs podcast and <laughs> I like I like Tampa like I like Tampa Bay like I I just think obviously like the, what's not to like I mean obviously they're, they're going back to back and it's just going to be it's going to be a thrilling series and it's obviously you know for, for guys working in sports media this is great sorry to say but the Islanders like great gritty group but you're not that fun to to you know talk about in, in the in the cup final. Let's be honest. So this is yeah. two two juicy teams, a juicy matchup, and it's it's an ideal Stanley Cup final. It's going to be great. How about I'm Pat sorry. Maroon going for a, a three peat himself? Yeah, you, Pat you Maroon. don't like that one. You, Pat Maroon, Pat, we haven't Pat talked Maroon about Big Rig the, for a while. Pat Maroon makes it to the Cup final seemingly every year at this point. And He's in the passenger is, seat. He's just riding yeah. along. Yeah, and it's it's hilarious because everybody rips on him for, you know, like being a little bit more of a husky guy. But he plays an effective style. And obviously his leadership is valuable in the room. And whether it was with the St. Louis Blues or the last two years with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, again, and hats off to Julian Breesbaugh, who was able to make the moves that have been able to push this team over the top. Stevie Y obviously assembled that group and deserves a ton of credit for especially for the contract negotiations with some of the star players to keep that down so they could get the equatable depth pieces to make this team effective. But Breezeball ultimately made the the finishing touches on what has been now a Stanley Cup contender uh, and Stanley Cup winner, not just last season, but this season as well. So very impressive for Pat Maroon to make three straight and impressive for Julian Breezeball to the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning to be able to make the right moves at the right time of year. Let's go to uh, around the expansion draft. So we're doing things in opposite order, seeing as the cup final seems to be the lead. Uh, But we did want to get into some Leafs coverage. And basically, uh, the big topic of conversation right now is what's going to happen with the expansion draft for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. 
and which players are going to be made up to be available um, to the Seattle Kraken, who, by the way, we should mention, also hired Dave Haxtall, former Maple Leafs assistant coach and former head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers as the first head coach in, in their history. So congratulations, Dave. Uh, obviously, his contributions, especially on the defensive efforts in Toronto, are going to be missed. But a great opportunity for him working with a fresh group, working with uh, an established name in the league in Ron Francis. And uh, he'll look to try to duplicate or at least uh, maybe even have a quarter of the success that the last expansion team, the Vegas Golden Knights, have had uh, since their entrance into the league. So obviously for the next two weeks, the focus is going to be on the cup final. But immediately afterwards, Kenny, there's like a week of just like chaos, like just to throw a few dates out. July 17th is the deadline for NHL teams to submit expansion draft protection lists. July 21st, a few days later, is the actual expansion draft. A few days after that, it's the league draft. And then free agent frenzy uh, at the end of July, probably July 28th. Now, these dates are are subject to change. And I know a lot of people are are confused of, of how the expansion draft works. So, basically, Seattle must select one player from each presently existing club except Vegas and the clubs have two options this is where it gets interesting for the Leafs you can either go you can either protect seven forwards three defensemen and a goalie or eight skaters and a goalie now I don't know about you but I like the latter here's why because the Leafs want to protect their top four right Tavares Nylander Matthews Marner and because of how well Justin Hall played this year I think you want to protect your top four defensemen, including Justin Hall, instead of going the seven forwards, 3D and a goalie. And then, and then they're probably going to protect Campbell, right? So I think the eight skaters and a goalie probably works best for the Leafs, but you might think differently. Uh, No, I certainly transcribe to your theory. I don't think that there are seven forwards on the Leafs that they need to protect. I think basically what it comes down to is the top four. Uh, Tavares, you have to protect. Yeah, because he has the no movement clause. So unless he decides to waive that for some reason, which I think even if you were, which this is um, not this is going to happen. So I don't even know I'm discussing it. But even if he were to waive it, like that would be a contract that Seattle would probably not even really necessarily want to pick up at this point. So they have to protect Tavares because of the no movement. Uh, Matthews, obviously not exposing the Rocket Richard winner. Marner, uh, despite the fact that the fan base hates him right now, he's still one of the top, you know, two offensive threats on this team. Uh, the third, fourth is obviously going to be William Nylander. I don't think that really anybody would argue too much about that. And then you look at the defenseman, uh, Morgan Riley, obviously going to be protected. Uh, the top offensive producer on the blue line, Jake Muzzin, um, the best two-way defenseman on this team or the best defensive defenseman, certainly at least. His offense pr- production is what it is, but him and Justin Hall, uh, his D partner, have proven to be an effective second pairing, which is why I also believe, to your to your theory, uh, that Justin Hall will also be protected. Uh, then the fourth guy, TJ Brody. So you basically t- protect your top four forwards and then your top four D. So basically, and then the goaltender would be Jack Campbell. He's the only guy that's under contract right now. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you were going to expose, I expect that they'll probably sign maybe Hutchinson or if they might have already done that, actually, if uh, memory serves me correctly. But the, I think you have to expose a goaltender. So they'll probably just sign, re-sign like a depth guy to put up as the guy who has to be exposed. Anderson is not re-signing. He's going to be on his way out. Uh, his contract's up anyway, so he couldn't be exposed. 
So basically that that leaves uh, a number of players that could be selected. And we should mention that players that are exempt from selection due to their contract status and how young they are in the league, uh, Sandine, Robertson, Mikheyev, and Lilligren all do not need to be protected because they are under the amount of NHL games played to be selected. So a little bit fortunate that some of those prospects don't need to get burned. Uh, when you look at guys that could be selected, but uh, maybe not necessarily, uh, Hyman is at the forefront of that list. Technically could be selected by the Kraken, but with his contract status, they'd be selecting a UFA. So basically, if he chose not to sign with Seattle, then he could just walk away from the from the team once a free agency hits. So that wouldn't really be a prudent decision for Ron Francis at this point. I would I wouldn't expect Hyman to sign before the expansion draft anyways, if he was going to resign Toronto, because they kind of want to not have to worry about protecting him. He would surely get selected if they signed a contract before the expansion draft. Um, I do believe that Spezza now, though now since he re-signed prior to the draft, could be exposed. So that could be a potential target for Seattle. Although, uh, if you recall, as we were discussing earlier in the season, when he uh, went through waivers, uh, he declared that if any other team picked him up off waivers, he would simply just retire. So assuming yeah. that he's uh, that's not happening. No. So assuming no that he's, uh, he's going to keep that mentality. But Seattle would basically just be picking a guy who'd be hanging up the skates. So I don't think that would make a terrible amount of sense for him. There's a ton of other older free agents that are going to be um, on the block or haven't been signed. Uh, Thornton, obviously Felino, who I expect will resign with Columbus to reassume the C there. Uh, Wayne Simmons, Alex Galchenyak, um, Sabarin, Augustino, Bogosian. There's a there's a huge long list, but basically what it comes down to is there's three guys or two guys at least that I think are likely would be selected. And one guy maybe is like the dark horse. I think Kerfoot's up, Dermot's up. And then yeah. as kind of if the Seattle scouts like him a lot, perhaps Pierre Engvall could be a guy yep. that they select. That's basically, another good one. Like, yeah. Basically it becomes, comes down to those three players. Um, where do you stand on which one you would select if you were the GM Ron Francis? Sorry well, about the soliloquy there. So I feel like I was talking for two minutes. <laughs> Dermot and Kerfoot, I'm with you. Th- those yeah. I actually wasn't thinking Pierre Ball. I had Dermot, Kerfoot, and Mikheyev, but then I realized, wait, he was out for a significant portion of the 1920 season, right? So I guess he hasn't played the, the yeah, fixed number still, of games. He's still exempt. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good because, I mean, as you call him a runaway train, he, he could still be a good depth, depth forward next year, but Kerfoot and Dermot for sure. And then... Um, they have to expose a goalie too. So I guess they could just, um, well, that'll, be a, that'll be a, just like a sign Riddich or yeah. sign, you know, yeah. Hutchinson and just, you know, put them up one year deal, same sort of deal, 700 K, whatever. They one thing on, on, him. on Felino though, I, I, I know you think he might go back to Columbus and, and assume the seat. I think they're going to try and, and do everything to, to try and keep him here. I don't think he had like a long enough stint and he was injured. Clearly, he was injured in the playoffs. And I think, you know, Freddie's going to walk. Hyman's going to come off the books. That frees up seven, eight mil. I think they're going to try and sign this guy to a, a short-term deal. You, you know, you lose Hyman, you lose that grit in the, in the top six. I think it would be in their best interest to, to try and sign Felino. I really, really do. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you that it would be in the best interest for the team. What, where I disagree with you is that it's going to be possible with their cap situation, unless they start moving some money out. Uh, 
basically what Felina was commanding this year prior to, you know, them pulling, you know, the salary cap gymnastics with, you know, sending the extra third round pick that they uh, sent out to, uh, where was it? San Jose for them to eat half the salary. This guy was basically making five and a half million bucks. So if you're assuming that he's a little bit longer in the tooth in his career at this point, uh, I believe he's 33 right now. So if you're looking at him at 33 years old and saying, all right, he probably won't get five and a half million. Um, what would the term be that you'd be comfortable with for a player like this? Maybe three years. Is that, is that fair to say? And yeah, even two, think, I feel like but, he'd do it. I know, but I'm, I'm assuming that I'm all I'm suggesting is that I think that he likes it a lot in Columbus. His his family is entrenched in Columbus without going into too many too many details. Uh, I do believe that his his intention the whole time has been to go back there. He's a big fan of the organization. Like he's got a good great relationship with the general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. And I believe that they have a little bit more financial incentive to be able to send Foligno's way to come and be their captain and probably give him a little bit more term with a little bit more comfortability. Whereas the Leafs in their cap situation really have to hit on all their veteran signings. I'm not saying that Felino wouldn't be able to contribute right now. I certainly believe they would. I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to match what would be ultimately a more attractive offer from the Columbus Blue Jackets to bring back their captain. As this was basically just a Yarmo trying to uh, acquire as much uh, draft capital as he could for a player who was uh, going to be an expiring free agent anyways. Well, I get the personal ties and the familiarity and everything, but why? what's the incentive if you're Nick Foligno to go back to Columbus? They just got rid of Torts. You know, their number one defenseman. Maybe he hates Torts. <laughs> the number one defenseman doesn't want to be on the team. Like, it's a complete crapshoot. Like, it's not like, okay, you know what? They're on the up and up. Like, Toronto at least is on the up and up. Like, yeah, they're, realist- they're a contending re- team. Realistically, though, how much would Foligno cost? Like, four million bucks by three? Yeah, probably three, probably. three and a half, four. So, yeah, basically the question is then, do you think that Foligno is going to be able to give you four million bucks worth of contribution over the next three seasons? Because this is the difficult situation that Toronto's in right now is that they have to hit on every single signing because they don't have enough you know, salary cap flexibility with the flat cap yeah. due to the pandemic to be able to be messing around on guys that could work out or couldn't work out. Nothing against Felino, but we're like we've talked about the way he plays the game. These are hard miles he's put on his body through his whole career. Like basically, since for the last ten years, he's been running around, banging, crashing bodies, dropping the gloves. Even longer than that, it's been thirteen years. His first season was 07-08. So at some points, you know that sort of style of play catches up with you, and we've seen it with vets. Like you look at Wayne Simmons; like he wasn't really that effective in the postseason run for Toronto. And it's a similar style of play, right? So that would be my only reservation. I agree that obviously his leadership qualities, his like his toughness, his his grit, like all those things that we talk about all the time would definitely be contributing factors to the Maple Leafs wanting to bring this guy back. I'm just not certain that it's going to be in the cards for this team at this point in time to be able to resign him, but it remains to be seen. There's a lot that can happen before and after the expansion draft and after the NHL draft. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll I, stick to it. It's imperative. You're losing Hyman. You're losing Simmons. Obviously, there's going to be some cap gymnastics involved, but they're going to be able to do it. I really think they are. They're going to be able to fit him under. And you know what? You take that risk. Everyone was like, wow, like Tavares is like long-term, and that AAV is going to be in his 
late thirties when this is done, you know, Tavares in the next two years could completely fall flat, but that's the risk you take. Right. So I think, I think it's important. Cause like, if you don't, I mean, you're just, you're losing that physical element. I mean, Hyman was really the backbone in, in that regard. So, I mean, yeah, it, it does remain to be seen, but I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting topic because he, we didn't really get a, a good enough glimpse and no, playing through that, I playing through that injury. And I think with a full off season, he, he would welcome almost similar to us, but maybe not, obviously not league minimum, but it would be a similar, it would be like, look at, we can fit you under, it's going to have to be a, a two to three years and it's going to probably have to be three to 4 million. And that's all we can give you. And I think he'll, I think he'd chomp at it. So we'll see. It's a, it's going to be an exciting month, man. The lots, lots of crap going on. So, yeah. And it's not to lose the plot completely, but, uh, cause we we would, we did start this conversation talking about expansion. If I'm yeah. Vegas, uh, like basically all it comes down to is what you value. Do you value defensemen or do you value, uh, forward depth? Because Kerfoot's proven that he can be a uh, sustainable third line center or top six winger. If need be, he can move up and down the lineup where Dermot right now, you know, he's basically a third pairing defenseman with maybe upsides to push into a second pairing role with the right partner who's going to be a little bit more defensively responsible. He hasn't really had the opportunity to move into that role in Toronto at many points, unless there was, and if they did have him in a top four role, that was bad news for the team because that means that the depth was seriously, seriously depleted in front of him. But it'll be interesting to see which one of those two players, because although Engvall, I think, is like probably you know the second-tier player that would be selected, I think it basically comes down to one of those two guys. And also, if Kerfa gets selected, that frees up another three and a half million, yeah, off the, off the books. Like it's a yeah. like he's that would be a f- little bit of a chunk of change that the management could play with to try to make the tweaks that they need to make to this roster. All right, man, that's enough expansion draft talk. Let's enjoy the Cup final. <laughs> Let's enjoy the Cup final. Hey, have you been watching any of uh, the Euro at all? A little bit, a little bit, but I've mainly been on the the tennis grind. And Wimbledon starts this week, but fill me in, fill me in. Yeah. Who's, oh. Well, Portugal just got eliminated, right? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was the one we were watching yesterday at uh, our household. Uh, my roommate Patrick, avid uh, Portuguese fan. Av- well, he is Portuguese, so he's an avid Portugal soccer fan, and he was uh, very disappointed uh, by the by the loss to Belgium. Yeah, he wants uh, he wants the coach fired. Uh, it was it was a heartbreaker for them. They had a couple of good opportunities late to tie it up. One uh, ended up ringing off the posts. Uh, a couple of headers into the box that were ultimately handled pretty easily by the Belgium keeper. And I feel like Belgium is one of those teams that they're always like I think they're the number one team in the world, like statistically, but they haven't really performed that way to this point in the tournament. So it'll be interesting to see if they can meet the expectations. The Italian side looks outstanding. Like I believe they like I can't remember how long they haven't conceded in, but that's a traditional Italian soccer. Just park the bus, don't give up a goal, and make the other team pay on the counterattack. And they've been able to do that to this point in the tournament. Where in the Netherlands, like my goodness, they take a red card against the Czech, Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic, I guess, and they ultimately end up losing two nil to an inferior Czech team. So like the storylines are just. Uh, pretty consistent with what we've seen in past years but oh man like the for the dutch that's just a, a brutal brutal exit from the round of 16 is belgium still brewing yeah belgium uh, yeah they uh great. yeah they're the number one team yeah they were the ones that knocked off portugal okay oh, jesus 
clearly i've been so out of sync with it i gotta i gotta (laughs) you were out of sync i was legit just talking you haven't done this in a while i I was legit just talking about how belgium's been an excellent like the is the number one team in the world sorry i'm (laughs) phased and how they knocked off portugal yesterday I will be I will be dialed in the rest of the way. <laughs> I have a chance to watch it. That is, geez, yeah, yeah, it's been so no, busy. It's been busy for yeah. both of us, but we're gonna do our best to get ep- episodes out weekly for for you avid fanatic hockey fans. Hey, it's all good, man. Uh, I'll be transitioning into a job that should be a little bit of uh, less hours for me, so I won't be doing the four a.m. Uh, four a.m. like lockups anymore, which should be good looking forward to uh, transitioning back to a more normal schedule and then uh, also i'm uh, freed up my saturday mornings be- due to the late hours at my bar i've uh, also had to transition out of the radio show that i've been doing uh, early saturday morning so that should uh, contribute to a couple extra hours of sleep for me so uh, that's a good big- buddy so, so yeah some uh, big life changes but hopefully it'll give us uh free up some more time so we can create uh, more content on a consistent basis because it's been difficult of late and certainly moving up to the expansion draft and the nhl draft there'll be no shortage of uh conversation points yep absolutely man thanks for listening to episode 56 of leaf spot on the hockey podcast network uh remember to throw us a follow on twitter at ken safe at b mccarthy 95 at leaf spot net hockey pod net we'll catch you next time